Okay, we're going to get into some Bible interpretation. And um, we're not really going to get into quite the guts of it, but we want to go through some basic concepts. Um, this is, as I said, this is not going to be an exhaustive course on hermeneutics, but um, we're going to talk about, really what we're going to talk about gets you 95% of the way there. Uh, this is one of those, the extra two months really is little stuff um, uh, in, as far as a, a basic trying to figure out what, what God's message is to us is not, um, not really that difficult. So, we're going to... Uh-oh, I did that wrong, but there we go. First um, point I want to make, and, and, and as we go, I'm going to try to illustrate any concepts or most of the concepts we do with examples, with with going through the Bible and, and, and seeing how some of the stuff will work. So the first thing is really to reiterate uh, what uh, what we talked about. There is an interpretation. There is an original thought. It's, it's not just what we want to get out of it. So as a basic concept, when we're looking at the Bible, we're looking at what did God want. We're, we're not trying to figure out how I can make what I like come out of this verse. Um, so someone want to read Luke chapter 24, verse 24 through 27. Luke 24, 24 through 27. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, and then enjoy his glory? And begin, and beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all scriptures concerning himself. Okay, so there's a couple of things that are really interesting in this passage. Uh, so this is, of course, this is um, the two men on the road to Emmaus. And... Uh, and you know, so there's a couple of things uh, in here that I think are important. Is that we trust everything that is inspired. Moses or or Paul or one more time, Jesus is quoting Moses and the prophets, um, and he he's explaining to them the passages concerning himself. He's saying there is an original thought here. This is the original meaning. This is what they meant. Um, so, <clears throat> again, we said we're not better than Jesus. Jesus accepted that, that these things meant things. Um, and where was the problem? What was their problem in not understanding? And this is really important. The problem was in their hearts, not their minds, right? This is their hearts. They had a problem with the hearts, and that's one of the problems in um, in in most mistakes that people make is not their mind. Most people's minds work quite well. Now we have errors, but a lot of times, and, and this is definitely where the worst mistakes are made, are because people have a bias and we're raised certain ways, and we want to believe that the people who taught you know, the people who taught me in Bible college, I want to believe that they were always right. But they weren't. 
just like I'm not always right, just like the people who taught them weren't always right. Uh, we are human beings. And, and so we have a number of biases that we have. Uh, I want to believe that the church I belong to is always right. But you know what? It's just made of people. And, and people sometimes are, are in error. So, so we have to change our heart. And that was where Christ begins with them. Uh, the next thing is, as we said, Jesus assumes the accuracy of the Bible. Uh, he believed the accuracy of Moses. He believed the accuracy of the prophets. And it's important that, that we see that um, he believed that they all worked together. Um, <clears throat> so when we're, um, you know, as we talk, and I want to go back just to talking about our hearts for just a second is that uh, we have to be willing to accept that I might not be right. Um, and that's a... They, they had such a limited view. Now, here's an interesting thing, because we've talked about hermeneutics, and I want to explain that word. That word is in this text. It's, uh, some of your versions will say explain. Some say that he in, interpreted, if you have an older version. That's actually what this means. He interpreted uh, these scriptures. Um, and, and that's the word hermeneuto. Um, her, does anybody, can you guess what hermeneuto comes from, the, the root of that word? Anybody have a Bible with explanation? Okay, it comes from the Greek god Hermes, actually. Um, you remember the story uh, in the Bible where uh, Paul and Barnabas were speaking and they run out and uh, they say, oh, no, no, we're not gods, we're not gods, right? And they called Paul Hermes, and they called Barnabas Zeus. Um, uh, I think probably Barnabas Zeus because he was the older, um, more fatherly guy. But Paul, because he was the public speaker. So Hermes was the Greek god of speaking, of speech. So, so we call it hermeneutos, which means um, uh, it, it's from, it's from uh, these words that have to do with, with public speaking. So, anyway, that's just kind of a, why in the world do we call Bible interpretation hermeneutics? It's because of this verse, actually. So, um, anyway, that's just an interesting note. Or maybe not interesting, I don't know. The second uh, basic concept is that Scripture must agree with Scripture. And we saw that with, uh, with already with the last example, right? That... Uh, that Moses didn't disagree with, you know, Isaiah. They, they all tell the same story. So uh, Moses isn't going to disagree in this, and because here's what happens a lot of times. How does how do most if you get into a discussion with someone who has a different belief, how does that usually go? Any topic, huh? An argument. Okay. And how does the argument go? Okay, let's suppose that both people have an understanding of scriptures. You know, they're not just, I was taught this, or my preacher says this. That, that's the way it, a, lot, a lot of times it goes. Their, their scriptures may be different. Okay, what scripture? What scripture are we using? Well, uh, Acts 2.38. Oh, uh, well, Ephesians chapter 2. Well, uh, Mark 16. Uh, Romans chapter 6. And, and, and we, we fight with scriptures. There are no Baptist verses or Church of Christ verses or Wesleyan verses or Mormon verses or Jehovah's Witness verses. They're all God's verses. 
God inspired every one of them. And he didn't forget over here what he said over here. So, so scripture has to agree with scripture. Um, they have to be put together. Um, so I want to um, do a little exercise here. Anybody know what the sign on the cross said? Anybody know? Just off the top of your head? Okay. Well, we have some different opinions there, don't we? Why is that? Okay. That's you're right on the right path. It's related differently. Okay. So, uh, for example, um, let's uh, have. We're going to read a couple of verses here. Oops. Oh yes, I wanted to get to this one principle before. I, I added this in my notes last night, and I forgot to um, print it again. Um, so. I want to remember this is called the always more than, never less than rule. In other words, uh, as we go through this, and you'll, you'll see how this, this works. If I have a piece of information, the Bible's given me a piece of information, and this would work with, with really anything that's truthful, I can always add something to it from a different source. Right? Uh, if I have a fact... I can always add more to it and understand more about it. Right? A situation, you're trying to figure out, we do this with our kids all the time. Right? They're fighting. And I, I have a statement of truth. He hit me. That's a statement of fact. Okay, it can always be more than. In other words, I'm going to go and I'm going to look at Why? Did he hit you? I'm going to add information to get the accurate picture, right? The first statement is not the accurate picture. It's, it's a part of it. But as I go, well, she did this. And then we've got to go back. And we, we keep on adding information until we have the whole story. And that's the way the Bible is. It, we're never going to get less than, but we're going to always add information until we have the complete picture. If I just take... Uh, one verse on a topic, if I just, oh, well, Mark 16, well, there you go. That's the doctrine on, on salvation. No, 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 no. There's always more than, never less than. I can never take away that we need to have faith. So that's established. I can never be less than that. We can always add more information, but we can never subtract it. So, uh, so with that, can we have some volunteers? Okay. 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 And John. Okay. Okay. You got it. Ready? Yep. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. Think you're in the wrong place? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm 2727. Hold on. Let me go again. And over his head they put the charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Okay. Someone else? There was a sign with this charge against Jesus written on it, the King of the Jews. Luke 23:38. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the King of the Jews. Alright. And one more. John 19, Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on this cross. It was written, Jesus, the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription for 
The place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. Okay. Uh, and some say instead of Hebrew, Aramaic, which is kind of like a, a version of, of Hebrew. It was like a common, it was like an evolved, common uh, form of, of Hebrew. This is kind of like mix. So, um, we have different signs, don't we? Do they disagree with each other? No. So, so here's what we do. You can begin from anywhere if you want. Um, I always look, first of all, at the common information. This is common to all four of them. It can never be less than that, right? This is common to all of them. Uh, so I, I try to begin with the basic. Common, and it, You'll notice that's white. I've color-coordinated all of these. That's actually, Mark has the basic thing. Mark's is the simplest form of it. Now, if we add in Matthew... Matthew says, this is the king of the Jews. Luke goes a little bit further. So from Luke, we can say, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. You see, we're adding information, but we're not subtracting it. Right? And then John adds that it was... Um, Yeah, we Matthew chapter one. Sorry. It's all right. So 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 they all add more information and we get a clearer picture as we go of what's actually written on this sign. Whereas if we only had read Mark, we'd have a different picture, wouldn't we? It wouldn't be inaccurate. It just wouldn't be completely accurate. Do you understand what I'm saying? It wouldn't be wrong. We'd get the basic idea. It's king of the Jews. That was the important thing. King of the Jews. But there's other details. Uh, so, that's how, so that's how this uh, concept works. <coughs> the first three were subsets, really, of what John reported. It's like John gave the most information. Uh, sure, yeah. Right, yep, correct. But all accurate. Yes. Right. Right. Now, now this, except with with one thing, the story's not changing. Okay. Um, it, it's not that it's changing, and you see that it all works together. We, it's not like uh, the sign didn't say this, and Luke thought it said this, or uh, it's just that. Um, for whatever reason, a detail stuck out to them or God inspired it that way. Remember, God inspires these things. We're, God's not leaving it up to chance. Uh, so, um, <clears throat> That's why there's multiple people or right. many facts. Like when I audit, you have to talk, you have to cooperate. Right. You have two or more to make it true. And if you get things that are consistent, that's really where the... Because people men always remember different facts or add things, and right. so you get the whole picture by talking to people. Sure, sure. Any more thoughts on that before we move on? Okay. And, and you do this with any topic. This is why we go off on uh, um, 
you know, when we're talking about salvation. Well, okay, there's a lot of verses about salvation. Well, we can't just go two verses and be done with it. You know, those little pamphlets people hand out, and like, oh, two verses. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> we're nowhere near the full picture here. It's like spanking your kid after the first story's told. You know, it's like, hey, oh, oh. Then you find out, you ever do that? Yes, we've all done that. And then you find out the rest of the story. Now you've got to apologize to your kid. Right, so, so it's like, find out the whole story. Uh, so, altering an intended meaning always has implications. Always. If I change it, now they might not be super serious, but there will always be an implication if I change a statement of truth. Remember that God inspired these thoughts. He didn't do this. I mean, of all the teachings of Christ and all the time Paul spent, years and years and years, this is what we have, really. I mean, not even that. This is what we have. That's a small amount. Um, to have, and so, so we have to take that these are important. This is what is ultimately, this is what God thought was important to preserve for thousands of years for us. So if we change those things, we will eventually find that we have affected something. Um, so even minor untruths in, in teaching should not be tolerated. Right? We should have a very, very low tolerance, um, because it's going to affect doctrine. I want to illustrate this. Um, who knows what premillennialism is? Yes? <laughs> we have, it's not discussed a lot, right? Uh, so, someone want to read Revelation 24, chapter 20, verse 4. There is no Revelation 24. <laughs> Chapter 20, verse 4. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image or and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay, so... <clears throat> This is referred to as the millennium, thousand years. And if you go talk to anybody in any church within, you know, any given radius, you will likely come up with a discussion about this verse. If you said, discuss this verse. Well, Christ is going to come back. He's going to set up his kingdom on the earth and... Um, and he will reign for a thousand years. At the end of that, if we would read the rest of this passage, at the end of a thousand years, Satan is going to be released. There's going to be bad stuff happens again. But during that thousand years, it's going to be complete peace and wonderful. And yay and happy, happy. And then uh, when, after Satan is released, then uh, the, there's going to be really bad stuff. And then Christ is going to finish off everything. I guess he's going to go back and then come back again. And then he's going to end everything and and then we're, we all go to heaven. That's what, and so premillennialism means that we are where we are right now. We are before this period. Okay, that is a fairly recent version 
of understanding these verses. What do most people say about Revelation? Not specifically what this means or that means, but what is the common view of Revelation? Okay, and therefore... Don't read it. Don't read it. Right? Like, who's familiar with this stuff, right? We don't read it. And, and, uh, and we... How many of you heard this one? We win in the end. That's, that's what I get out of Revelation. We win in the end, right? Yeah, we've heard that one. Uh, so, um, are you going to go to hell if you thought, if you read Revelation 24 and thought, oh, this, this is probably what the vast majority of churches that I would talk to me right now. Would I go to hell if I, uh, if I had that? Probably not. Probably God's not going to say, you thought that you were in the pre-millennium. And, and, uh, and so, so therefore, you're going, that probably is not going to happen. Right? However, I want to illustrate how important knowing the truth is with this passage. Um, and the fact is that when we are wrong, we will eventually change the divine work. Now, that doesn't sound serious, that there's going to be... It doesn't sound really... I mean, what's going to happen is going to happen. I don't really know any better than anybody else. I mean, I kind of have some understanding. But whatever's going to happen, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. So, so what? So let's look at what changes when we change truth. Uh, first of all, it will contradict the nature of Christ's work. Someone want to read John chapter 18, verse 36. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Does that does that mesh with Christ setting up a kingdom on this earth for a thousand years? My kingdom is not of this earth. Now we've changed the nature of what Christ came here to do. Well, now that's pretty important now, isn't it? Uh, let's look at another thing that we change. Uh, someone want to read Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. What does that hand mean? Okay. So, so here we have preaching. John the Baptist saying, "Listen, this thing is about to take off." Well, now, if we still haven't had the kingdom set up yet, we're two thousand years later. John was in error, first of all, but more than that. That message was the basis for a command to repent. His spiritual motivation was based on something that then was not true. Have you ever heard someone try to motivate somebody? Yes, we have. 
to do something on the basis of a lie? If you keep doing that, your eyes are going to stay that way. But that's not true. And, and, And this would be a far more serious version of the same thing. Right? God is not into motivating people on the basis of something that's not true. So let's. So we're getting actually pretty serious for for something obscure in Revelation. That's not that important to me. It's starting to affect significant things. Here's another one, Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-seven. It's kind of like the last one, but it's even pretty more detailed. Luke nine twenty-seven. Now, to answer the last one, people say, well, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. People say, well, soon is all a relative thing. You know, to God, a day is is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. When he says soon, who knows what he meant by soon. That could be 2,000 years. That's really nothing to God. Okay, I'll grant you that one for a moment. Explain this one. If the kingdom still hasn't been established on earth, and we're 2,000 years Later, one of two things is true. What are those two things? They're 2,000 years old. We have 2,000 year old people, or. He's not really talking about them kingdom. Well, he's, ta- he's talked about kingdom. But he could be talking about the establishment of the church. Okay. All right. So, so that's true. Um, we have to understand what he's talking about, but he says kingdom. So, so one of two things is true. If the kingdom hasn't been established yet, and we understand what the kingdom is referring to when we take all the verses together, right? When we start talking about everything. Either there's 2,000-year-old people or Jesus was incorrect. And I'm going to tell you right now that there are people who are so married, I mean preachers and denominations that are so married to the idea, they're so much in the box of premillennialism that they're said that Christ failed in this attempt to establish the kingdom. This failed, and he's going to have to come and retry it. That is a fact. So I can go off the purpose right now. Exactly. (laughs) So we have Christ failing. If the millennium is still future. Christ failed because Christ said, listen, there are people here that are not going to die until I successfully do this. So did Christ fail? Or do we have perhaps to rethink our interpretation? One more. We're not done yet. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Where are we? We're in the kingdom of the sun. Okay. 
Paul wrote this 60 years or so A.D., about 30 years after uh, Christ died. And when he writes this, he writes that of the kingdom as the establishment of the kingdom as a past tense event. So, uh, there's only one... If, if that understanding of Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 is correct, we are left with the Apostle Paul spreading a known lie. That's pretty serious. And so I say, if we are wrong, we will eventually affect something very important. There will be implications. How much easier would it be for us to just go, you know what, maybe, maybe I was a little bit wrong about Revelation 24. Maybe I, I'm not quite... Maybe there's another interpretation. Maybe kingdom means something else other than a physical kingdom on earth. Maybe, maybe this is symbolic, which is funny. Is um, Just as an aside, that, that Revelation 20, Revelation being a symbolic book, they like to take that verse, or, and a couple of them, very, very, very literally. And then the opening of the book, which is actually very literal, the first couple of chapters, the first three chapters are very literal, they like to symbolize and turn into a symbol. They're like, oh, why don't we leave the symbolic part symbolic and the literal part's literal? Um, but that's aside. I don't really want to get into a Revelation class. But um, I just wanted to, to illustrate how this works. How, how, when you change something that seems pretty insignificant, and none of us, we all agree that that thing that you changed itself, probably not disastrous by itself, but the things it touches are pretty important. And then someone who I teach that, they might touch those important things themselves. I might never make that connection. Someone eventually will to the point where now we have people saying that Christ failed and has to come later to refix that mistake. That's important. And even, even if people didn't make that connection, maybe, let's, let's say in an ideal world, right, uh, it didn't. It still is dangerous for this reason. Once I start thinking that I can say what I want without caution, I will eventually touch something important by the character and the, the, the trend that I set in myself. I will eventually touch something because I will not be reverent with each of these doctrines as they are. I will not be cautious, and I will eventually alter something of great importance. So, uh, any thoughts on that before we, we continue? I'm not going to get through my notes today. Um, definitely not. So, <clears throat> I want to finish with one last thing. I'm not sure. Okay, we're not going to get to study tools today. I just wanted to um, finish with an important thing. And this will set up what we're going to talk about next week. Um, is that words mean things. Right? 
and I, I know that everybody groans when someone mentions Greek in a class or, a, or Hebrew in a... We all do it. Like, uh, right? Words mean things. Um, we're, next week we're going to talk about some study tools. But this is what um, Origen, we talked about Origen a little while ago. He wrote this in a, a letter. He said, when you devote yourselves to the divine reading uprightly and with a fixed faith, uh, with a faith fixed firmly on God, seek the meaning of the divine words, which is hidden from most people. Do not stop knocking or seeking, for the most necessary element is praying to understand the divine words. And do not, uh, his uh, um, origins belief was not in thought inspiration. He believed that the words themselves were divinely given. Um, it's not just vague ideas that people wrote down. Um, <clears throat> someone want to read Luke? And preferably, if you have an actual physical Bible, it will probably be there. If you have a computer Bible, it might not be there, depending on which version you're using. But Luke chapter 2 verse 49. And this is just a silly example. This is not going to have any great implications, but uh, just kind of a, a tool. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Okay. Is there anything special that you notice in that verse? Not the meaning of it or the thought. Is there anything that catches your eye? What about the word house? Is there anything about the word house? Okay, yours is italicized. Do you know what that means? Why would they italicize the word house? The word translated house is not in the original. Literally, that verse says, don't you know I must be about my father's? Doesn't say business is not there. It's people have translated differently because we're not quite sure how to translate it. Be careful when you get to an italicized word. Now here, it really doesn't affect anything. We get the idea. You get to an italicized word and you can put in a word and as a translator can put in a word that might mislead you. So know that they did the best that they could. It's, it's not, you know, they're not nefarious necessarily. <coughs> I must be about my father's something, and there's no word in their language or whatever, their context, that might be an idiom that they had, and they all understood it perfectly. Forty-nine. Uh, so, so be aware if you do see that. Um, that uh, that means that there is no word in the original. So um, it's just kind of... So words mean things, and sometimes lack of words means things, too. Um, and and there, are, there are places where it's just like that, where we don't know what the word was. Probably wasn't a word in the original. So any ideas we're gonna, uh, or other thoughts or anything to add? The, the part that makes it difficult is to come down to some words that are very important, in fact, all telling. Uh, and then you have 50 people having 50 opinions about what that word meant. Mm -hmm. 
and, and how do you figure that out? Yeah. <clears throat> That's one of the things I want to go through next week is talking about some other Bible helps um, and um, tools that you can have. And, and the good thing is, is I, I know like we gave some tools to some kids in graduation. We're going gonna to go through what some of those do. Uh, and the, the neat thing is, is that with, with technology, you can do all of that on one screen is pretty and, and even better actually uh, it, some of the tools that we have simplify the way that those books themselves work I like books but um, but for convenience sake obviously we all have and, and on your phones as well though the, typically you'll find that the things on your phone are not quite as thorough uh, they're usually light versions of, uh, of stuff that's on that you can get on your computer just simply because um, just the ability to work and see but uh, we'll, we'll get into some of those. And, and they are helps. Um, but um, everything we can do to you know, get a deeper understanding of, of, of what God wants is, is, I think, important. But the principles, more than the tools, the principles are what's, what is vital. I think if we, if we have the right ideas, even if, if we don't have all the technical know-how, we'll get pretty close if and, and we, we begin where, or if we end where we began. If our hearts are right, that was the key element 